Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. Saturday noon. This is noonday prayer, intercession, warfare, or the time that we share and deal in the areas of the supernatural. We are a tripartite being, consists of the natural as well as the supernatural, or the natural as well as the spirit. Our bodies was formed from the dust of the ground and breathed, God himself breathed, rather, into our nostrils the breath of life, and man became something. The scripture said a living soul. It did not say a living spirit. Our soul is our personality. Our soul is who we really are. The purpose of our body is to keep you and I related to the creative realm of God. The purpose of our spirit is to keep us connected with the Creator Himself. What our soul submit and yield to, we will become. The more my soul submits to my human spirit and obey it, then I become I or I will experience transformation of who I really am. If I yield to the dictates, craving, passion, wills of my flesh, I will become more like what I was not created to be. So the key is me submitting, yielding, and surrendering. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, I want to share some principles out of the book of Romans, chapter 5, and this in the areas of the supernatural. What is the thing that blocks us? What is the thing that hinders us? What is the thing that causes us not to come into the full revelation of who God is, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and ourselves? Ourselves who is made in the image and the likeness of our God. What is the thing? What is the thing that dethroned Adam and the whole human race? That blocked us and stopped us from being all that the Father had created us to be. It was sin. Sin is something that uh, we don't preach on enough, but when we preach it, I think we preach it from the wrong perspective. And I want to kind of deal with that today because... That is the thing that blocks and stops and what Satan uses to manipulate the majority of sons and daughters of the Most High God. Not only the sons and daughters of the Most High God, but humanity at large. So therefore, let's look at some things in the book of Romans. If you and I really were creating the image and the likeness of God, then you and I are designed or created to flow the way God flows, to operate the way God operates. Let's kind of, uh, if we have uh, time today, go through this. 
and see how can we appropriate this in every area and facet of our lives. First question I'm going to ask you, do you believe in the reality of the word of the Lord? And basically I was going to say yes. But, you know, I think what even the problem with the, uh, believing in the word of God is believing in the word that is not rightly divided. So we got a whole lot of stuff. I uh, don't use the word stuff, but a whole lot of scriptures we know and we remember. And but yet we're living and experiencing defeat almost every day. How many experience oppression, depression, despair, despondency almost every day? How many people is experiencing and tolerating sickness and disease just wrecking our bodies? How many people is it is experiencing and tolerating poverty, lack, and famine, just make uh, getting, uh, uh, um, uh, just making enough to get by? But yet, the Bible said the kingdom of God has come that the will of God may be done on earth as it is in heaven. I personally do not believe, cannot conceive that there's anybody oppressed, depressed, or suppressed in heaven. If gold is made out of screech, so therefore we know there's no poverty there. There's no sickness, no disease there. There's no chaos or confusion there. And the kingdom of God has come to the earth that the will of God may be done and performed. In the midst of a sin-stricken earth, the kingdom of God has come in its midst. A earth that has been um, brought up under the dominion of Satan before Jesus came and died and rose again. The Bible said the whole world lieth in wickedness, but yet the scripture clearly says God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So something ought to be wrong with this picture. Either we're missing something or the word of God is not true. Either Jesus really did conquer Satan on Calvary's cross. And let me put this question to you. When Jesus defeated Satan, what did he defeat? See, if, if I can't make it practical, then what's going to happen, I'm going to continue to be religious and try to walk in victory and try to walk as a conqueror, try to overcome when I don't understand the fundamentals. I got to get this, the fundamentals down. So, did Jesus really did? Did he really conquer Satan? According to the Word of God, he did. I think it's Hebrews uh, two fourteen, if I'm not mistaken. Jesus bore comes No, no, no. That's not the one I'm looking for. Um, Jesus partook of flesh and blood, that he might destroy him. That had the power of death. That is the devil. Now, the word destroy is not eradication or annihilation. It really means to paralyze. When something is paralyzed, it is immovable and operative. That's how the enemy tries to paralyze us with fear. Fear causes you to be immovable and operative. It paralyzes you. So a paralyzed man cannot do you any damage. Cannot do you any damage. If he's paralyzed from his neck all the way down, he cannot move. He cannot do you any damage. But we see yet great damage taking place in the earth realm. And all of this, ladies and gentlemen, have everything to do with preparing you to understand how to flow supernaturally and how to do battle and war in the room of the spirit. And when we do battle and war, we have to do it from uh, the perspective of the reality 
of what Jesus really did accomplish in his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and enthronement. Because all of that, what I just said, have everything to do with you and I, not just Christians, but humanity at large. So he did conquer him. When he conquered him, what did he conquer? He conquered everything that came into the world as a result of Adam and Eve submitting to Satan. What was not in the world, it came in the world through Adam submitting, Adam sinning against God. If God said, let us make man in our image and our light and let them have dominion of the, uh, uh, the fish, let them have dominion over the fish of the seas, follow the air and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the face of the earth. He made him just like him. But put man in another realm to exercise dominion over that realm, just like God himself is uh, lives in the realm of the invisible, uh, heaven. But he is the ultimate authority of heaven. Adam was to be the ultimate authority of the earth and God's creation. By him sinning, uh, yielding to Satan, Satan became the ultimate authority over the earth. Once again, those of you that hear me teach, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness of temptation, he told Jesus, you're about to worship me. I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth uh, and the glory thereof, for they was given to me. For they was given to me. I'm going to offer them back to you. And Jesus' response, you shall worship the Lord thy God, him and him only shall you worship. So when Jesus died on Calvary's cross, uh, did he defeat, defeat Satan? Yes. What is the defeat? Everything that is of Satan. Well, what is of Satan? Then sin. Because he got Adam to sin. And what did God say? If you partake of this tree, you're going to surely what? Die. He didn't say you was going to sin. He just told him what the result of him sinning will produce. Sin always uh, produced death. Sin is the ultimate of death. Sin is the consequences, um, excuse me, death is the consequences of sin. So when Adam sinned, he died. But yet we don't see him uh, not existing anymore. So those of us that understand that death is not eradication or annihilation, death is separation from God. Satan's ultimate goal is what? To get you and I to live separated from God. To do what? To live separated from God. That's what every person that is not born again, they're living separated from God. So therefore, they cannot operate nor function nor commune with God because they are dead to God. They're alive, but they are dead to God. So when Jesus conquered Satan on Calvary's cross, he conquered what? He conquered sin. The scripture clearly tells us that, ladies and gentlemen, in the word of the Lord, sin really was conquered. Sin really was defeated. Do, do you really believe that? I'm going to be going back and forth here. Let me see, can I find a scripture, if you will, to, to look at some things. But I want to continue on this course because the greatest, uh, what blocks us and stops us from our divine health, what stops us and blocks us from divine wealth, what blocks us and stops us from having an intimate relationship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and even one another, is something that has already been dealt with that you didn't with that you don't even qualify to deal with. And I know, I know this 
it, it, it sounds like a paradox of what, what, what I'm saying here, but it, it, it is real. It is real. And we want to kind of deal with some, some of these things. Romans 6 really is the uh, main scriptures that deals um, directly uh, with, with sin in a greater dimension. But we're going to try to go through some of these scriptures to help us to see this thing and, and how to walk in the spirit, how to live in the realm of the spirit. The first thing I got to do, I got to understand uh, uh, sin. I got to understand death, which is the consequences of sin. I got to understand sickness, disease. I got to understand all of the miseries that comes along with sin. I got to understand it. And how do I deal with it? How do I deal with it? So, so a lot of these things is vital that we understand the fundamentals. And I think that has been the problem I share with our congregation. Uh, I never was a person that was raised up in the fundamentals. And I think systematic theology is very important that we understand how to say not to get information. That's another problem. We're so full of information. We'll, 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 we have not been, uh, the majority of us uh, minds have not been renewed to the place that we flow the way God flowed and, and flow the way Jesus flowed. We still love a classroom setting. And it's hard for us to get away from that. It is hard for us to get away from a, a classroom setting. And what I mean by a classroom setting, sitting there with a Bible in our hand, and we read in the Bible, and we fill our head up with information, but there is absolutely nobody to take you through the process of what you just read. You said, no, i got the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do have the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. How many people's hearts are really sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Very few. That is born again. Because your heart has to be changed and renewed. And, and, and when you're first born again, you, your spirit is saved, but it's so much stuff that we bring to the table. And so we have to be, go through a process of dealing with that. I don't want to get into that, but this is, this, this is very important. That we live in a classroom setting. We want to live. We love living in a classroom setting. We love getting information. But we are not in relationship with anybody uh, that has what you just read have experienced. See, discipleship mentorship is about leading you into an experience, leading you into an encounter. When you experience it yourself, that particular thing, think about it. When you experience that thing yourself uh, and it becomes a part of your life, then you don't need a guide for that area of your life. You don't need a guide. If you, if you went to school uh, to be an electrician, uh, 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 the only thing that you got in school was information out of a textbook. But you have not experienced what you got out of the textbook. And take another individual, if you will, never, never learned anything out of a textbook, but they was discipled or they was mentored or they was coached into experiencing electrician. They know how to put up lights. They know how to wire uh, electrical box. Uh, uh, they know how to put up fans. They know how to put up uh, uh, light fixtures. Uh, uh, they know how to run wire. They never went to school, though. They never, never uh, uh, read a textbook, but they 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 submitted themselves. Um, there was an apprentice under a master electrician, and the master electrician told them what uh, what a, a ground wire was, and and told them what a hot wire was, and 
and showed them the different colors of wires uh, and what the different colors of wires is uh, considered hot or considered a ground wire and, and, and showed them how to hang a fixture, showed them how to run wire. But there's telling, telling them and showing them. Tell, but there's no textbook. Then you got an individual that went to uh, uh, um, one of the technical schools or whatever you call it, and, and, and they just, I mean, got all the diagrams in the book, got everything in the textbook. Man, they, the the, the, um, the uh, professor telling them what they should do and how it should be done, but they never experienced it. Which one would you want to hire to do a job for you? The one that's just fresh out of school and never experienced absolutely nothing they learned, or the person that never went to school, but they learned, but in tech, technically they didn't go, but they did go to school. <laughs> they just didn't go to, they, didn't, they don't have a degree, they didn't go to the kind of school that we're, we have set as the standard for our day. And then, watch this right here. And the person that went to school, they can articulate everything about electrician. They can tell you the, the, everything about running the wire, tell you, but they never experienced it. Then you have the individual that never went to a class uh, um, the way we standard a class, uh, but they did go to class under the uh, tutelage of a master electrician. They have experienced it. Well, I would hire the person that never went to school but sat up under the tutelage of a master electrician, and they don't did hundreds of jobs, wired hundreds of houses, hung uh, light fixtures and fans, and, and uh, they understand uh, the, the basic principles uh, even though they didn't get it from a textbook. But what has happened in the church, is what causes us not to tap into the supernatural, ladies and gentlemen, and walk in the supernatural is because uh, we refuse to submit or connect ourselves with someone that have experienced God. Did Jesus know God? He said, me and my father is one. Me and my father is one. And, and I do the will of the father that sent me. I love the father. The father loved the son. Show us the Father. Have I been so long with you that when you see me that you see the Father? You don't get it. Same thing, ladies and gentlemen. You take the master electrician and you take the protege that's been uh, uh, that's sent up under the master uh, electrician. If, if uh, the master electrician is tied up on a job and he got another offer and, and he said, listen, I cannot come, but I'm going to send one of my men. What you think that man is going to do when he gets that job? He's going to do exactly, exactly what the master electrician does. That's all he know. That's all he know. You know what the problem is today? We got uh, 10,000 teachers, but nobody have a father. And so what's the 10,000 teacher? We got thousands and thousands of teachers on the radio, on television, um, uh, in your own city uh, that you live in. But, but think about it. Jesus' disciples did not have five, six teachers. Jesus' disciples did not have five, six masters. They only had one. And even some of John's disciples came over to Jesus. They only had one. You don't have three, four, five fathers. You got one. 
original father that brought uh, you, uh, well, that brought you into the earth, well, that, that sired you. It's the same thing, ladies and gentlemen. It's very important. So what we, we love classroom settings. We love classroom settings more than we do on-the-job training. On-the-job training is going to reveal what you really know. I don't know on-the-job training. Do you know, and watch this right, and I'm not talking about information. Do you know God or you don't know God? Because that's the goal, ladies and gentlemen. The goal is the Father. The goal is the Son. The goal is the Holy Spirit. That, that's, that's the goal for all of us. It's Christ. Not knowing about him, but experiencing him. And that's the Holy Spirit's job to lead me into an experiential relationship with the Lord Jesus that I will know him. You don't have to tell me about him because I know him. I don't tell you about it because you know him. And this, I tell you about a dimension of him that you don't know, and there may be a dimension you know, I don't know, that you experience, that I have not experienced, that dimension of Christ. That's the beauty of, uh, of the body of Christ. That don't make me a hierarchy of you and don't make you a hierarchy of me. I mean, it reveals your personal intimacy with the Father, and it reveals my personal in- intimacy with the Father. And out of my intimacy, there's an encounter, there's an experience. Out of your intimacy, there's an encounter, there's an experience. These things are vital. And that's why we're frustrated and aggravated uh, because things isn't working the way we teach people it should work or we read it should work. Uh, but we're frustrated and aggravated. You want to know why? We tried to work something outside of an experience with him, and it doesn't work that way. And you want to know the thing that blocks us more than anything is sin. You say, well, well, you know, uh, having everybody sin. Yeah, but I'm not talking about sin from that perspective. I want to show you a point about sin that Satan has used against us. He really has used it against us, and we have used it against one another. Either the Word of God is real or the Word of God is not real. We want to break that down, and I want to go ahead and get into it because uh, I know it's going to take some time. Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 5, ladies and gentlemen. Chapter 5, Romans 5, but Romans 6 really is the key. Excuse me. Uh, um, uh, that help us to understand this thing. Uh, let me see where I want to start here. Romans chapter five. When you get a chance, read the whole thing because five, six, seven, and eight is really well. I go back there one through eight. Well, the whole the whole book, First Corinthians, it's, it really breaks us down because the, the Corinthian church they struggle like a lot of us are struggling. Let's start, if you will, verse six. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Christ did what? Died for who? The ungodly. Christ died for who? The ungodly. Did he die for the church? The ungodly. Did he die for um, uh, you personally? The ungodly. Not just you, not just your church, not just the church, but he died for every human being upon the face of the earth. He died for the ungodly because all men, all mankind was ungodly. So let's let's move on. Well, scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, some will even dare to die. But God demonstrated his uh, own love towards us. Read that again. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us when we were still sinners. Christ died for us. 
You say, but when Christ died, I wasn't even alive. Yes, you was. I was alive. You was alive, but you wasn't in existence. When Adam sinned, all human beings was in Adam's loins. So you was in the loins of your great, great, uh, 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 I wouldn't say great, great, but you was in the loins of, of, of your, your father. And your father was in the loins of his father. And your father was in the loins of his father all the way back to which one of your great, great, great ancestors was alive to when Jesus died. Are, are you getting this? But you only came in existence during your season and during your time. But let's let's go on. That ain't the point I want to bring out because I have a tendency to stop and start breaking things down. But I want to get to the root and the meat of this thing here uh, uh, today. Verse 9. Much more than having now been justified. What, 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 what? Now we get into something now. Much more than, much more than having now been justified by his blood. His blood did what? Justified me. When you get a chance to do a study on justification, because it's going to be very important for, for you walking in the supernatural, you and I walking victorious in this realm. It says, we were justified by his blood. We shall uh, be saved from wrath uh, through him. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10. I'm going to come back up to verse 9 because it's very important. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son Jesus. When were we reconciled? When Jesus died. Okay, what was the purpose of his death? I mean, if you got to understand, he just didn't die. Things happened when he died. Help us to understand why I'm justified. See, if I don't understand the fundamentals, and that's how the enemy tricks us and manipulates us. I ask you a question. When Jesus died, what happened? He conquered uh, Satan. Who else did he conquer? He conquered sin. What is the, the manifestation of sin? Death. He conquered death. He conquered the author of sin and the author of death. Satan, sin, death. Has, has it really been uh, defeated? Well, according to what we just read here. Then, that means, watch this right here. Did he conquer sin for the church? Well, according to what we just read here, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. So therefore, he died for the, according to the word, the sin of the world, all of humanity. All of humanity, even the sinner right now that has not accepted Jesus, everybody. Everybody. Only the difference between you and the person that is a sinner is you have come into the knowledge of Christ, they have not. You have come into the knowledge of a Savior, they have not. But even the Savior did save them, uh, died for their salvation, put it that way. He died for their salvation. But they have, they have, they have not come into the knowledge of it, you have. But you know what the, another problem is? They, came into the, they have not come into the knowledge of it. You came into the knowledge of it, but you only came into the first grade of the knowledge of it. You were just satisfied with being saved, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but don't even understand what that really means because we have not progressed from the time we got saved 50 years ago up to this now. There's no progression. You have increased in knowledge, but have not increased in God. Increased in knowledge, but not increased in experiencing God. It's different. And you want to know why we struggle with experiencing him? 
I gave a, I put a, uh, I gave illustration. Uh, Saturdays, I'm taking my family. Uh, we're going through a process. I'm going to take the church through, but I'm taking myself and my wife and my daughters uh, through it first, and then we'll be taking uh, uh, some other people through it, probably the leadership, and then, then the rest of the congregation, those that desire to go and flow the direction that God has taken us. And uh, I was, we were talking about having faith in Christ, uh, one of the sections, and uh, I, I gave an illustration. Uh, uh, my oldest daughter and one of my other daughter, my oldest daughter, my middle daughter, just say my oldest daughter uh, can bake, my oldest daughter can sew, my oldest daughter can clean, my oldest oldest daughter, I mean, just can do a, a lot of things. But I don't know she can do all these things. I met her, but don't know what all she can do. Talk with her, but I still don't know what all she can do. What all she have accomplished in life, but I know her. Spend time with her, go out to dinner with her, do all these wonderful things. And the next thing you know, I end up, uh, something happened in my house. I need uh, uh, someone to come clean my house. and uh, Or I need somebody to do some electrical. I need somebody to cook for me. I need somebody to do something for me. I end up, one day she's with me, and I'm calling somebody. I said, listen, I'm trying to find somebody to come do this. She said, why are you asking me to do that for you? Oh, you know how to do that? Oh, yeah, I know how to do that. Now, I've been around her, but don't know her. I know about her, but don't know her. Don't know. See, see I have not investigated. I have not experienced her. So I can call on her to do a thing because I don't know she was able or capable or had the skill to do it. You know what we satisfy with? Knowing about Christ. But we refuse to allow Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit, lead them to a situation to encounter him. And that's why we're frustrated. We love quoting scriptures. We love, we love shooting missiles. When I'm talking about spiritual warfare. We love, I bind you, Satan, I bind you, Satan, I bind you, Satan. So we shoot these missiles instead of dealing with Satan directly. But we're going to deal with this here. I'm going to show you something. Listen, you are, you are so awesome and so powerful. God has done such a great work for us, but that's the lie. That is the lie. We bind to the lie. Notice what it says here if we're verse 9. More, much more than having now been justified. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Either it's the word of God is true or not. Are you justified? What is one of the words for justification in, in, in the word of God? One of the uh, definitions for justification is free or to be acquitted. Those are, those are two words that are synonyms of the word justification in the word of God. To be acquitted and to be free. So let's read it this way. Much more than having been free by his blood. Or having been, uh, what's the other word I said? Uh, acquitted. Having been acquitted by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Saved from what? Wrath. Saved from what? Wrath. So notice you are saved from wrath. Wrath comes as a result of what? Sin. Wrath comes as a result of what? Sin. Now it says, verse 8 again, but God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ did what? Died for us. Christ did what? Died for us. And here it says, 
uh, up here. I'm trying to find that verse, that, that part about wrath. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Through who? The one died for me. So in other words, uh, wrath should come on me. Wrath should come on you as a result of sin, but he died for me. He took the wrath for me. He took God's wrath for me. If he took God's wrath for me, and why did wrath come? It came as a result of sin. Did he defeat and conquer sin? Yes. Then why are you and I trying to defeat it and conquer something that you and I have no ability to defeat? And that's how he manipulates us. That's how he tricks us. And that's why we're on hold. Let's, let's continue to read. Because scripture all, all usually um, interpreted itself. So we're justified by his blood. When you talk about blood, you're talking about his death. So he died for me. He shed his blood. For what? The remission of sin. So I'm asking you a question. Have your sin been remitted? Well, you know, uh, uh, yeah, the moment I received Jesus Christ. How long have you been saved now? Ten years. So that blood that removed sin from you ten years ago, is it powerless today? So it, it removed sin from you ten years ago. So have sin been removed? Well, let's look at it this way. Sin have not really been moved, removed, but sin has been conquered. I'm going to tell you how it works. Tell you how it works. Sin is in every human being, but every human being's sin does not have dominion. Sin does not have the, uh, uh, the uh, I want to use the word dominion, right. Sin doesn't have a right to no human being on the face of the earth. He died for the ungodly. He died for the ungodly. Sin does not have a right to the person that murdered somebody last night. Sin does not have a right to the person that just lied to their spouse. Sin does not have a right to the person that was manipulated to commit adultery against their spouse. Sin has don't have a right to uh, for somebody that embezzles some money from some, uh, their company. They don't have a right. You say, why? Because he died for the ungodly. He broke sin's right, but do do every human being understand that? No. Do even the Christian understand that? No. They just know, read the scripture, but understand what happened. When he died on Calvary's cross, he broke Satan's right to you. He broke sin's right to you. He broke death's rights to you. It broke sickness and disease rights to you. Everything that belonged to Satan right to you has been broken, but yet it's still present. It's been broken but it's, been, it's, it's not present. I'm saying it's been broken. It's still present, but his right to me has been broken. Sin don't have a right to you. Sin don't have a right to me. Death don't have a right to me. Death don't have a right to you. Why? He died to sin, and he died to death. Once, the scripture says, let's go to uh, chapter 6. I don't have time to go to that today. That's what he talks about in chapter 6. So read 5 and 6 when you get a chance. It'll help you and I understand how the devil lies and manipulates us. Because Satan understands the power of faith. If I can just get you to believe wrong, you're going to act wrong. You're going to do wrong. 
you're going to talk wrong. If I can just get you to believe wrong, if I can just get you to believe that uh, 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 you got to overcome some sin, you can't overcome sin. You really can't. If you and I had the capacity to overcome sin, we wouldn't, we wouldn't need Jesus. If you and I had over, uh, the capacity to defeat sin, we wouldn't need Jesus. He would need to come to the cross and die and rise again on the third day and ascend alive if we can do it. But have sin been dealt with? Absolutely. Have death been dealt with? Absolutely. Then you say, well, why do Christians still sin? If Jesus dealt with sin, I heard you. If Jesus conquered sin, why do Christians still sin? If Jesus conquered death, why do Christians still die a premature death? If Jesus conquered sickness and disease, then why do Christians still sick? And disease still run rampant in their bodies. I'm going to tell you why. What we're talking about today is the key to your success and mine. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Did he defeat Satan? Yes. Did he defeat sin? Yes. Romans says, read it, 5 and 6, he died to sin. And he dies no more. Died to sin once, and he dies no more. In other words, he can, he defeated sin. Romans eight also says that. He conquered sin in his flesh. I love this other part here. It says, "By one man, sin came into the world, and death by sin. Then, by the same man, righteousness come." Let's, let's read that real quick, because I'm still going to answer this question here that I ask you. I will give you the answer by the grace of God. Verse 12 says, therefore, just as though one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, death came as a result of what? Sin. And thus death spread to how many men? All men. Because all sin, all sin, the moment Adam sinned, Every human being on the face of the earth was in the loins of Adam. That's why Satan really wanted to get him to uh, sin before he partook of the tree of life. And then everybody would have been born in the earth like God. Sinless. So it says all his sin through one man. Verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to uh, Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man offense many died, who is the one man? Adam. Much more the grace of God and the gift excuse me, and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound to what? Many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. Are you experiencing condemnation from time to time? You got to get it. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Mm. Did it say that? Yes, it did. 
Read it again. For the judgment which came of, uh, which came from one offense, one offense resulted in condemnation. Everybody was born condemned. But the free gift which came from many, uh, many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through one, death reigned through what? One. Who's the one that death reigned through? Death reigned through Adam. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. Have you received Christ? Yes. Then righteousness must prevail. It is in you. You're already righteous. You, listen, you, you, you was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. When you received Jesus, you was born in righteousness. You are righteous right now. You're what? You are righteous right now. You are holy right now. You are healed right now. You are delivered right now. You are blessed right now. You are prosperous right now. You said, what are you saying, preacher? If I'm over these things, why well, I don't see it? Because you don't know your rights. You don't know your rights. I gave an illustration to my... Uh, uh, my daughter asked a question. I forgot which question she asked. My youngest daughter, who was uh, in our devotion this morning, and uh, I said, "All of the vehicles that God has graced us with, we I paid cash for it, and we bought them brand new." The one I have a car right now, BMW. Somebody gave that to me, nice car, but it was given to me. And uh, uh, but anyway, I said, your, "Your father paid cash for it." I said, "I'm gonna show you a principle here." I said, when I went to the car dealership and I bought those vehicles, I paid cash for those vehicles. I paid a price for those vehicles. Those vehicles are legally mine. I have a title. I got the title. I'm in my office right now, uh, right now uh, doing this broadcast. I got the titles right here. And I ain't worried about you trying to break in my house and steal anything either. And I'm not talking because I got guns. I don't have guns. Telling you that right now. I got something more powerful than a gun. I got the angel of the living God. That's who I have. I want you to write. I purchased a car. Now, I said, now, what if the car dealership come back? Now, watch this right here. I purchased a car from the car dealership. The car is at my house. Is the car dealership still in existence? She said, yes. But the car dealership don't have a right to the car. Right? She said, right. I said, why? She said, because you paid for it. I said, correct. But the car dealership is still present in the city. But the car just don't have a right to the car because I paid for the car. I said, now, if the car dealership come and repossess the car, take the car from my house without me knowing about it, I said, now, the, the, uh, um, that position mean to take the car dealership to court. And when I come to court with the title and show the judge that I have a title, what the judge going to do? The judge is going to make the car dealership give me my car back, and not only my car, but to compensate me for my time that for coming to the courthouse and make the car dealership to pay for my attorney. 
Who's my attorney? Jesus. Who's the judge? The Father. What is the title? The blood that Jesus shared on Calvary's cross. Purchased everything I just shared. Purchased the blood. Purchased divine health. The blood purchased divine health. The blood purchased the love of God. The blood purchased unity. The blood purchased peace. The blood purchased my marriage. The blood purchased my children. The blood purchased my family. The blood purchased everything. Legally. So watch this right here. The car dealership is still in the city. Still present in the city. But I purchased the car from the car dealership. I paid a price. I paid a price for that car. So therefore, the car dealership have absolutely no right to the car. Interesting. Then I'm ask you a question. Do Satan have a right to you? No, because we just read he died for the ungodly. He died for the ungodly. He died for the ungodly. So if he died for the ungodly, a price was paid. Is sin still in the world? Yes. But do sin have a right? No. Is sickness still in the world? Yes. But do sin or sickness have a right? No. Is poverty still in the world? Yes. But do poverty have a right? No. Is Satan still in the world? Yes. Do Satan have a right? No. Well, why don't they have a right? Why don't Satan have a right? Why don't sickness have a right? Why don't disease have a right? Why don't poverty have a right? Why they don't have a right? Because you was purchased. I was purchased. You was purchased. So therefore, he don't have a right. Don't have a right. Well, who purchased you? The father. What was the price? The blood. The death of his son, Jesus. So I belong to him. You belong to him. I gave my daughter illustration. I said, now, this is how it works, sweetie. I said, now, God bought EJ. He bought EJ's spirit, soul, and body. He's the owner. He turns around and take EJ's spirit, soul, and body that he purchased and give EJ back to EJ to manage EJ for him. But am I my own property? No. But who property am I? God. I belong to God. I belong to God because he paid a price for me. I'm the property of Almighty God. But he gave me back to me to be a steward over me for him, to manage me for him. And so you understand? She said, yes. First Corinthians 6 tells us we've been bought with a price. So we can't do what we want to do. So you mean to tell me since I've been bought with a price, I belong to him, I cannot do whatever I want to do with me that belongs to him? Absolutely not. Then what am I to do with me? I am to manage me for him. I am to protect me for him. Are, are, are you getting this? 
Okay, now let's look at it this way. Now let's go to spiritual warfare. Now, I begin to bring this out. Now let's look at spiritual warfare. The day is Saturday. This is the day to set aside for uh, 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 dealing with uh, the supernatural. Warfare. Intercession. Now, watch this right here. I said, now, when my body is attacked, you want to know why the majority of people struggle with divine health? I, would give, I gave an illustration. Uh, uh, I started experiencing pain in my back, my lower back. And, and my heel, something had happened to my heel. So I have not I've been going to the gym, but I have not did a, a full workout in maybe six, eight, and longer than that month. Shoulder end up, I start getting challenged, and that's back in, in line. So I'm going to show you something. You know why spiritual warfare don't work? You know why sickness and disease prevail over the Christian? Number one, what I just said is not a reality to the majority of us. Sin, sickness don't have a right to me. Disease don't have a right to me. Pain don't even have a right to me. It really don't. Because you and I was purchased from pain. You and I was purchased from sickness. You and I was purchased from disease. You and I was purchased from the master of all these things, Satan himself. You and I was purchased from sin. You and I was purchased from the manifestation of sin. It's death. We was purchased from death. All of us. He died for the ungodly. Now watch this right here. Now, watch this here. This is this you gotta understand how this works. So just say if sickness challenged your body and challenged my body, and all of us has been challenged in some kind of capacity with a spirit of infirmity or a spirit of oppression, a line, whatever it is that challenges us. Now this is how it works, ladies and gentlemen. You gotta you gotta get this here. Now does it have a right to you? No. Why doesn't it have a right to, for, to you? Because a price was paid, and you now been made justified. You've been made what? Justified. What would I say the synonyms of justification is? Uh, uh, what did I say? Um, uh, uh, being free and being acquitted. Free from what? Free from sickness. Free from disease, free from Satan, free from demons, right to you, right to me. Satan don't have a legal right to me. Ladies and gentlemen, Satan don't have a legal right to no human being on the face of the earth. He died for the ungodly. He died for the sinner. He don't have a right to your spouse. He don't have a right to your children. I don't care if they're on drugs. I don't care what's happening. He don't have a right, and even the drugs don't have a right. He died for the ungodly. Did Jesus defeat sin? Yes. It was our sins that took him to the cross. Did he rise with all rights? Authority means having the right. He rose with all authority in heaven and earth. He didn't rise with all power. All authority, Scripture says. It's a difference. He rose with all authority. That means Satan could not put sickness and disease upon us. But sickness and disease is the power. Is not the authority. It's the power of Satan. But not the authority of Satan. Because Satan don't have any. Because all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and in earth. Are, are you getting this? My prayer to God that you get this. You get this here. So when you do spiritual warfare, where we miss it, ladies and gentlemen, you are doing spiritual warfare on an enemy that have no right to you. But what happens is 
you don't see yourself as the property of God. You see yourself as your own property. When you go into the military, you don't go into the military for you. You go into the military for your country. And you don't fight in another nation for you. You fight in another nation for your country. You don't protect your country for you. You protect your country for your country. Are, are you getting this? So, so when I'm coming against the enemy that's challenging my body, I got to let the enemy know this is the Lord's body. A price has already been paid. And this thing is illegal. It's illegal. So, well, how, how in the world is it illegal? Because sin has been conquered. Death has been conquered. Sickness has been conquered. Disease has been conquered. Don't you understand sickness and disease? Yes, you got to say Don't you understand sickness and disease is nothing but the penalty of sin? It's a penalty. Jesus paid the penalty. I'm not going to pay the penalty anymore. Say, so why should I, why should I pay a penalty when the penalty has already been paid? Are, are, are you getting this? And so I'm fighting for Jesus. This body belongs to the Lord. The, Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross. He defeated sin, defeated sickness, defeated death, defeated hell, defeated the grave. You're still present, but you don't have a right. At the car dealership, it's present, but you don't have a right. It's present, but what? It don't have a right. Why don't have a right? Because I purchased. I've been purchased. My spirit been purchased. My soul been purchased. My body been purchased. So spiritual warfare is not to be done for EJ, not to be done for my wife, not to be done for my children, for me. It's to be done for EJ, done for Kathy, done for Ebony, XD money, for him. I come against the enemy for him. I do spiritual warfare for you, for him. You don't have a right to this man of God. You don't have a right to this woman of God. He said, well, I don't have a right. They, uh, uh, I have a right. They sin. They sin? Yeah, they sin. That's how I have a right. Well, they told me and they told God that they repent. They asked God to forgive them. Saving the Bible says he, God himself is faithful and just to forgive and to what? Cleanse from what? All unrighteousness. So therefore, the moment they acknowledge their mistake, they ask God to forgive them, instantaneously God forgave them. Not only God forgave them, he removed it, and God don't remember it. If God don't remember it, why are you trying to make me remember something that God don't even remember? Are, are, are y'all getting this? So you don't have a right to me. You don't have a right to me. Sickness, you cannot get, you cannot dominate the Lord's body in the name of Jesus. And I dare you to do this. Don't get this as information this morning. I dare you to do this. I dare you to start taking authority over the enemy that's illegally operating in your life. Confusion is illegally operating in your life. Division is illegally operating in your life. Divorce is illegally operating in your life. Are y'all hearing the Holy Ghost up in here? Mm -hmm. Oh, I understand my, my children. Rebellion is illegally attacking your children. Rebellion is illegally attacking your spouse. Rebellion is illegally attacking the members of your congregation. Rebe not You don't have a right. 
to hurt her because there's sin. Jesus has conquered sin, and rebellion is the result of sin. Sickness is the result of sin. He gave sin a death blow, and he died of sin. No more, the scripture says. When you get a chance and go over Romans 5 and 6, as a result of what the Lord is articulating to us uh, 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 this morning, it's going to help you. And think about it. Condemnation. The scripture says in Romans 8, we quote it, but we don't understand it. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now, 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 no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the spirit, who walk not after the flesh. And the key is really walking. The key is walking. Now think about it. Condemnation comes as a result of sin. If you ask God to forgive you of your sin, should condemnation prevail? Absolutely not. So you've got to do spiritual warfare on your mind for him. You've got to tell condemnation, get out of my mind. You've got to tell guilt, go out of my mind. Get out of my mind. Get out of my conscious state now in the name of Jesus. This mind is the mind of Christ. This mind belongs to the Lord now in Jesus' mighty name. I know, I know this may be messing with some of you up, so this don't make any sense. Preacher, whatever the case may be, you want to know why? Because you struggle between your body and you struggle between your spirit. There's a struggle. And your body is more of a reality because you cannot see. You cannot see the devil that's trying to place sickness and disease on you. You cannot see the spirits that's trying to shoot that shooting thoughts in your mind. You can't see them, and that's why we struggle. You think the thoughts is yours. You think of uh, the pain that's in your body is a result of something you did. If you did something and you ask God to forgive you, he's faithful and just to forgive you and do what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you cleanse from all unrighteousness, that make you what? Righteous. You are justified. You are free. I am free. Tell your body you are free from sickness. Tell your body you are free from uh, uh, sin. Tell your body that you are free from Satan. Tell your body that you are free from diseases. Tell your mind you are free from harassment. Tell your mind you are free from negative thoughts about yourself, negative thoughts about your spouse, negative thoughts about your children, negative thoughts about your parents. Tell your mind you are free from negative thoughts about your leaders, your pastors, your boss on your job. Tell your mind that this mind is the mind of Christ. You got to speak that. You got to articulate that. You got to do that, ladies and gentlemen. That's spiritual warfare. Forget about binding demons in the heavenly places. i got to bind demons that's been assigned to me to try to get me to doubt the finished work of Calvary, to doubt the resurrection, to doubt the ascension, to doubt the enthronement. That's spiritual warfare. Understanding your rights. You've been acquitted. And what make, this is where we get frustrated because you're trying to overcome. The key is not overcoming sin. Sin has been uh, dealt with. Sin still is in your it's in your mortal flesh, but it don't have no right to you. You got to understand, it have no right to you. You've been acquitted. So how do you overcome? By embracing the overcomer. And let me, let me put it this way: before you can embrace him, you must make up in your mind that sin have not, don't have no right to you, and you're not going to give it any right. You have to make up your mind. And then you're going to embrace him who is the overcomer. You're going to embrace him who is our victor. You're going to embrace him who is our conqueror. 
You're going to embrace him who conquered sin. It's a person, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we get frustrated, trying to overcome what you cannot overcome. You want to know why? Because we want people to see us and not Jesus. You will never be able to master Satan. You will never be able to master sin. To try to do something is to deny Jesus has already done it. It's to deny Jesus has already done it. Every time you go on a fast to overcome something, you're denying that Jesus has already overcame. When you go on a fast to get healed, it's to deny that Jesus is your health. And Jesus did conquer sickness and disease. Jesus did conquer pain. Now go ahead and say, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Just go ahead and say, I am uh, how do I want to word this right here? I'm going to say my conscience is free by the blood of Jesus. I am free from negative thoughts by the blood of Jesus. With the stripes, my spirit, my soul, my heart, my mind, my body, my marriage, my, uh, my children, my finances, my health is healed by the blood of the Lamb. Is healed by the blood of the Lamb. This is how it works. This is how it works. Now you advance the kingdom for him. You receive the manifestation of your healing for him because you and I is a steward over his spirit, soul, and body. I'm doing it for him. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for him because I have a responsibility and an obligation. And now, and when you do that, what are you doing? You're exercising the ministry of reconciliation. You're bringing your spirit. You're bringing your soul. You're bringing your heart. You're bringing your mind. You're bringing your body in, uh, in, uh, uh, in harmony and favor, thank you, Holy Spirit, in harmony and favor with your Father, who created you in his image and his likeness. But it's through the blood of the Lamb. It's through the cross. Sin is what tripped you up from doing the right thing. And when I say sin, consciousness of sin that Jesus defeated and conquered over 2,000 years ago. And it puts your life on hold. Ladies and gentlemen, let's stop this foolishness. Let us embrace Christ. Let me deny myself. And let me go on into the blast off of my relationship with him. Let me conquer sin through embracing Christ. Let me conquer the consequences of sin, death, sickness, and disease. Sin has been dealt with, but let me conquer the consequences. You don't have no right sickness. Get out of my body. Pain, you have no right to this body. This body belongs to the Lord. And this body, a price has been paid for. So I drive out the spirit of pain. I drive out the spirit of infirmity. I drive out the spirit of deformity. I belong to the Father God through the blood of the Lamb, even now. And I decree and declare the increase of the momentum and manifestation of the righteousness and the life of Christ is fluid in my spirit. The righteousness and the life of Christ is fluid in my soul. The righteousness and the life of Christ is fluid in my heart. The righteousness and the life of Christ is fluid in my mind. The righteousness and the life of Christ is fluid in my body. Every organ, every cell is being influenced by the the righteousness and the life of Christ. Adam brought sin and death. 
Christ brought righteousness in life, and I embrace Christ. Righteousness is life is prevailing in my marriage. The righteousness in life of Christ is prevailing in my daughter's life. The righteousness in the life of Christ is prevailing in my son-in-law's life. The righteousness in the life of Christ is prevailing in my grandson's and granddaughter's life, even unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I speak, I decree, and declare the righteousness in the life of Christ is prevailing in my disciples' life. The righteousness in the life of Christ is prevailing in every man, woman, boy, and girl in our congregation. The righteousness in the life of Christ is prevailing in my community, in the assigned region, even now in the name of Jesus. I decree and declare the righteousness and the life of Christ um, influences and is prevailing in my currency, my silver, my gold, my platinum, my uh, precious stones, um, all currency that belongs to me in this realm. I take dominion over it and I subdue it and I bring it subject to the righteousness and the life of the kingdom of God. But surely the kingdom of God has come. And the will of God is being done and performed even now in Jesus' name. I decree and declare the righteousness and life of Christ is prevailing in the atmosphere of my home, the atmosphere of my church, the air that I breathe. The righteousness and the life of Christ is prevailing even now in Jesus' mighty name. Are you getting this? I know my time is up. So therefore, I take authority over every. Contrary spirit to the righteousness and the life of Christ. Everything that is contrary to the righteousness and the life of Christ, I forbid its function. I forbid its operation in every area and facet of my life. Everyone that's in relationship with me, everyone that's connected to me, I forbid it in Jesus' name. I forbid it in Jesus' name. I bind it, rebuke it, cast it down, cut it off, and cast it forth even out of the assigned region. Go in Jesus' mighty name. But I bring everything. In everyone subject to the righteousness and the life of Christ. It is mine. It is yours. My sins has been forgiven me. So therefore, in Jesus' name, death has no more dominion over me. Sickness nor disease have any dominion over me, over my mind. In Jesus' name, those who are challenged with your memory, begin to speak to your mind and begin to speak to your memory faculties and tell your mind and tell your memory faculties. Well, you know, my, my, my daddy had bad memory, my mom had bad me memory, but I'm born again. You were born again. So therefore, I speak to my memory faculties. I speak to my mind, and I release some the righteousness and the life of Christ to my mind, to my memory faculties, my reasoning faculties, my thought life, uh, my uh, uh, um, uh, emotions and affection and intellect. Uh, I speak it and release the righteousness in the life of Christ, the righteousness in the life of Christ, and I forbid the spirit of death and the spirit of sin to dominate my mind, my will, my conscience, subconscious state. No more in Jesus' name. No more in Jesus' name. Even my heart, even my heart is redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, I forbid a wayside, stony, and thorny heart to be developed in me. And that which was developed is being eradicated and annihilated because it has no right to my heart. My heart is a righteous heart. My heart is filled with the life of Christ. Even now in Jesus' name, I speak it, I decree it, and I declare it to be so in Jesus' name. Begin to release the righteousness in the life of Christ to every organ of your body. Begin to release it. Begin to release it to your soul. Release it to your heart. Release it to your mind. Release it to your whole constitution. The righteousness in the life of Christ. Begin to allow it to prevail. Begin to speak over it. And now the Holy Spirit got something to work with because his job is to bring glory to Jesus. And everything I said, Jesus brought righteousness. And Jesus brought life. You shall have received life and have it more abundantly. 
I received the abundant life of Christ. I received the abundant life of Christ. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is quickening my mortal body with the righteousness and the life of Christ. With the righteousness and the life of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I can go on and on and on and on. But this has been your host. I pray that you got something from this word today that you will go and you will begin to battle and you will begin to war. And we just gave you a little illustration how to do that and how I've been doing that. Releasing in my life, releasing in my marriage, releasing in my wife, releasing my children, releasing in, 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 in the congregation that God has graced me to serve. Releasing in my disciples and generational disciples, those that God has assigned to me to disciple. Releasing in my spiritual sons and spiritual daughters' lives and their spouses and their children, their congregation and or their sphere of influence. Releasing it in Jesus' mighty name over your community, over your state. Release it to God's creation. Release it to the ocean. Release it to the wind. They are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And right, the righteousness and the life of Christ prevail. Ladies and gentlemen, we love you. Thank God for you. We pray that the rest of your Saturday will be blessed. And tomorrow that you have a, dyna, a dy, dynamite, dynamic service uh, filled with the Lordship of Christ, the glory of God, the presence of God. It is our right. Repent of every sin. Renounce every sin. Tell sin you have no dominion. Tell sin you have no dominion over my congregation. Tell sin you have no dominion over my brothers and sisters in our church. Tell sin you have no dominion over the community that you live in, the community that your church is located in. You have no dominion. You have no right. Jesus died for the ungodly. So therefore, I call every man, woman, boy, and girl into a conscious awareness of the Lord Jesus Christ, a conscious awareness of the righteousness and the life of Christ, even now in Jesus' mighty name. Blindness have no right. Deception has no right. Blindness and deception come as a result of sin. My sins has been forgiven me. So blindness and deception cannot prevail over me. I don't have to be deceived anymore. You don't have to be deceived anymore. Deception comes as a result of sin. And because I reject sin and renounce sin, I'm tired of sin, I'm fed up with sin, so therefore I embrace Christ as my righteousness. The same Jesus that conquered sin has conquered sin in me. I let him conquer it in me. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host, Sati Jimmy, because of the master key. God bless you, love you. Let's keep one another lifted up in prayer. And that guy's God to give you the grace to walk in the reality of the things that he shared with you today. Asking to give you the wisdom, the ability to appropriate in your everyday circumstance or situation that he will reign as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. God bless you, love you, and appreciate you. Look forward to being with you on Monday evening and Tuesday evening. As we've also prepared ourselves for our last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday prayer line, invite your family and friends to be with us. God bless you.